you're listening to the Sassy Solopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Silva, first-generation Latina, digital entrepreneur, and an online educator. On this show, you're getting an exclusive backstage pass on how I transformed my food blog, A Sassy Spoon, into a sustainable and profitable multi-six-figure business as a party of one. Tune in each and every week for the sassy vibes, authentic, no BS conversations, and actionable advice on how you too can build the profitable food blog business of your dreams. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Sassy Solopreneur Podcast. So excited to have you here, as always. In today's episode, I want to talk about the top four food blog SEO mistakes to avoid this year. We always talk about what to do when it comes to SEO, but what about what not to do, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you to please rate and review the show. You can do that on Apple Podcasts where you can leave both a star rating and a review. I would greatly appreciate that. That helps us so much just to bring more awareness to the show. And you can also share it on your stories or share it with all your other blogging friends. I would really, really appreciate it. So let's jump right in to today's topic. Okay, so food blog SEO. So obviously, you know, things continue to change literally every day when it comes to SEO. And so these obviously may sound redundant because you're like, okay, well, I knew this already. But if I'm repeating them, it's because it's that important, right? It's because these are the things that as SEO continues to evolve, we have to continue to evolve with it. And what worked in the past may not work now. But as I continue to see how SEO is evolving and just like overall, like what Google's doing, what I've been seeing other people saying about what's coming through the pipeline and everything else. I think at the end of the day, just to make our lives easier and not just be constantly wondering like what's Google's next move, right? Because that's just so overwhelming. You got to focus on the basics, right? And the basics are what I'm going to tell you right now. I think if you were to narrow it down to the top four, in my opinion, it would be these four that we're going to talk about now. And so I think if you were to avoid these four mistakes, I think you would be on, a, on the right track for sure. So let's kick this off. Number one, not writing for your reader. And you know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> no, no more ch- keyword chasing. No more chasing the search volume. And the reason why I talk about this so much is because I myself was doing this a couple years ago before I realized that I was actually doing it. And the way this would look like for you in case you're like, am I doing this? I don't know. If you're just going after certain keywords because their search volume looks really good or because they're green in in key search, which means that they're low difficulty, and you're just grabbing that keyword and, you know, running with it, regardless of how it correlates with the rest of your blog, that's keyword chasing. You're basically only focusing on writing blog posts based on this number and not how it correlates with the rest of your site. And maybe for some of you, you're like, duh, of course. But the problem is that when we're doing food, which is already a broad topic to begin with, you can write about anything, really. 
But then this is where your niche comes in to help you narrow down your focus. And that way you're not just grabbing any keyword that looks attractive and just throwing it on your blog, which is what I was doing. I was doing comfort food. And so if I wanted to do a recipe on some kind of pasta or or if I wanted to do a chicken dish, sure. Why? Because I had a very broad niche. And so it still made sense. It was still part of my comfort food niche, but it was still too wide. And so when you're going too wide with your content, essentially that's giving you permission to just grab this link. I mean, this uh, keyword and that keyword. And instead, you should go more focused to actually stand out more. As counterintuitive as that sounds, you actually will stand out more when you have a more narrow focus. And so not writing for your reader means that you're just writing for the search engines. You're just writing for the robots. You're writing to rank. And the problem with that is that it may work in the short term, but long term, you're not going to be able to scale, right? Because when you write about too many topics, you dilute your content. And this is where Google is like, I don't know where to place her. This person's all over the place. She's writing about shoes and farmer's markets. And (laughs) it's just too many topics, too many things. And so once I narrowed down my focus to just Cuban cuisine, and I was just being a lot more intentional with the type of content that I was putting out there, I immediately saw boosts in traffic. And I immediately saw how Google was positioning my content where I'm on page one for a lot of these terms and and I'm ranking higher because people are resonating with that and I'm getting more of my people and my target audience that is in turn like sharing and saving these these recipes and all those are signals to Google that you're targeting a certain reader. So it kind of like all connects together, right? When you're writing for your reader, when you're writing niche and nuanced content that also delivers the message not only to your audience but to Google that your blog has a focus, right? It's not some random blog in the middle of the internet just blogging about whatever. It's not diluted anymore. It's way more focused. And so it's just easier to categorize, right? And it's easier for your audience too. You don't want to confuse your audience. If they were to come to some vegan dish that you created because you went to a restaurant and you tried it out and you're like, oh my God, I need to do this to the blog. I used to do that all the time. Okay. I used to do it all the time. I would go out to eat. I mean, I live in Miami. It's like the melting pot of so many different flavors and, and cuisines. And so I would try some Asian Cuban dish, some fusion, right? And I'll be like, oh my God, I need to do this. As a matter of fact, I have one of those recipes. I have a Cuban fried rice on the site that was. It's super old, so don't even go look for it. It's so ugly. But I, I, I created that. And the problem with that is then when someone came to that recipe, maybe they're looking for other recipes that are related to that or that they're similar to that or that they were looking for more Cuban at that point and I wasn't doing that. Or they're, maybe they're looking for more Asian because they're like, oh, that's cool. I don't have any of that. And so it's almost like I, it was like false advertising. I, I brought you in, I, I hooked you with this recipe, and now you're not going to stick around because there's nothing else for you here. And so when you're writing for your reader, you have to know your reader and write with them in mind. Like, what would they be looking for? If they come to this recipe that I'm writing right now, what's the type of content, what's the type of content they're looking for? What are the related recipes that I can include here? And so That's what I mean by not writing for your reader and why that's a big mistake 
essentially you want to be always thinking strategically so you're working smarter, not harder, and actually putting in work into blog posts that are going to deliver the results. There's no point in just like jumping from keyword to keyword. And at the end, you're going to be like, man, I have all these recipes. None of them are related. None of them are bringing my people. I'm not growing. It's, it's like the big vicious cycle that you want to avoid, right? So write for your reader. Think about how they would speak about the dish or how they would approach the dish. Is there a special technique that you can speak to? What's the lingo that they use around that, especially with Cuban cuisine or even Latin cuisine in, in general? There are certain words that you would use or phrases or maybe there's a nickname for that dish that you can include. That's what it means to know your audience and speak within their language. That's what you want because that's what's going to attract the right people and what's going to signal to Google that you are writing for your reader, that you are building this authority in this specific topic. And that's where they will, Google will be able to rank you accordingly, right? So don't chase keywords. Write for your reader. That's number one. Number two is not updating existing content. I know a lot of people think that this is a waste of time and I totally get it. Oh, that blog post is from like 2017. Who cares? No one's looking at it. But on the contrary, if you don't update that, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because all those blog posts from 2017, 2018, whatever it is, they're just sitting there and they're all indexed, which means they've all been crawled by Google. They're all sitting in search. And with a simple facelift that you can give that blog post, it'll instantly boost your traffic. And so it's worth looking at those posts to say, well, does it still, does it actually fit with my niche right now? Does it make sense for my current target audience? This is like your chance to maybe do a little audit of your blog post. I mean, we're still in January, so it's great to do that now and see which ones make sense, which ones maybe you can no index. Now is a great time to maybe do some culling, right, of all your blog posts and update the ones that need to be updated and maybe get rid of the ones that are no longer serving you or serving your audience. And so I would definitely recommend that you would update these existing posts because they will work in your favor. Now, the only reason I would tell you not to update them is if they're in the top three, because anything in top three has a 20% higher click-through rate than anything else on page one. And so I wouldn't even touch the posts if it's in top three for, if it's in top three on Google, right? But if it's not, and it's like a super old post and it's outdated, but you know what? You're like, man, I, I can salvage this. Like I can really save the day. And this is just one extra post that I can maybe reshoot the recipe, maybe retest it, come up with some new way of making it that could be unique to my niche and to the way that I'm trying to approach my blog. And it could be such a great opportunity to just give it new life and increase your traffic. Who's to say that if you were to update that, you don't get to page one maybe in a couple of months. Why not? Try it out. Maybe it ends up being a complete win. This is one of my favorite strategies to teach inside of my Food Blogger Business Blueprint is to update existing content because I love to see those traffic boosts. It's so exciting to see. Okay, so number three would be no internal linking. So I know a lot of people have like different ideas around what they think internal linking is. 
But I would say if you're not doing any internal linking or you're doing too much of it, those are both big mistakes to, to avoid this year. So internal linking, just to give you a quick little definition, internal linking is when you are linking to related recipes or related posts around the topic that you're currently writing about. You don't want to just internally link for the sake of it. You don't want to just start, oh, I'm just going to internally link to this random post that I have here. And it has nothing to do with what you're actually writing about. That's not the goal. If you're re- if you're doing a recipe around chicken parm, you want to maybe include another recipe that's either chicken or maybe that uses the similar ingredients with the marinara sauce or the cheese or something along those lines. That way it's, it is related and it'll keep people on your site longer. That's really the goal of it. Aside from the fact that it also signals to Google that you have related content. It's how you build the authority, right? Your topical authority. And so you don't want to do too much of that, but you also don't want to do none of that. You definitely should be internally linking to each of your individual blog posts because if you don't, that results in orphaned content, which is something you don't want, where your blog posts are just like hanging out on your blog and there's no connection, there's no correlation. You have to build a web with all of your content. That's really the goal. Something that I was using last year that I thought was pretty helpful was the Yoast plugin, the premium version. They actually have an orphaned content detector or whatever where it'll tell you which one, which of the posts on your site are orphaned content and then you can go in and update the internal linking for that, which I thought was really cool. So that's something that you can look into if you're interested. And number four is tech SEO. Now, tech SEO pretty much covers everything that has to do with all the tech on your website, whether that's Core Web Vitals or that's the broken links on your site or your, the site being slow, now being mobile optimized. Like all these things are, that's like basically SEO 101 at this point. But if you're not paying attention to the quality of your site, that can affect your SEO and your traffic and your rankings as well. Because a slow site, you're going to have increased bounce rate. People are going to just like hop off of that and just be like, nope, this is taking too long. Forget it. I'm out of here. So pay attention to your, your tech SEO. And I'll be honest, this is not my zone of genius. I outsource this. To I work with Foodie Digital and they do such a great job of just taking care of all the tech, all the behind the scenes of my blog. But there are definitely people that are pros at this. You can look at different developers that may do tech audits or site audits, things of that nature. And then they can just work on the whole back end of your of your blog. But anything extra plugins that you're not using, get rid of them. If your site's not mobile optimized, look at your site on your phone. Look to see if everything's loading okay, if your photos are like off center or something. Like all those things matter. And also maybe ask a friend to check your blog and let them see and go through like the user experience, right? Ask them questions. How do they feel while going through their site? Do they feel confused? Is it easy to navigate or is it super slow? Have them give you some honest feedback. And that way you can use that to be like, okay, I need to find someone that can do X, Y, and Z. And you can go finding someone that can help you specifically with that issue. But definitely taking care of your tech SEO is super important as well. You can do all the content right, but if your site's not loading correctly, then what are you doing? All the things matter. 
But I think overall, if you focus on these four and you avoid these four mistakes, I think you would be in really good shape because I think when it comes to just trying to do all the things, it is overwhelming. It's super overwhelming. But if you write for your reader, you're on the right track. If you're updating existing content, that's just working smart. So you're doing that too. And if you're internally linking properly and not excessively, you're doing amazing. Um, and then the tech SEO, you know, paying attention to the back end of your website, that cannot be a better investment in trying to grow your blog and this blogging business that you've built, that you're trying to build. That's super important. This is at the end of the day, this is our storefront. Even before like thinking of aesthetics and branding and logos and things like that, the tech is really, really important. And so that's it for this week's episode. I hope this was helpful in letting you know what not to do for SEO instead of just having to follow all these 500 rules that we have to follow. I think if you avoid these top four, you're going to be in great shape. So don't worry about trying to do too much. Just make sure you're not doing the wrong things. That's all for me for this week, and I'll catch you on the next one.